And that breaking news coming from none other than John Solomon of JustTheNews.com. That's JustTheNews.com. John, what do you have for us? An extraordinary day, something we haven't seen in a century. For the second straight day, Congress has failed to pick a speaker. There have now been six votes, and Kevin McCarthy has lost all six of them. He has fallen about 20 to 21 votes short each time. And uh, that has triggered, finally, uh, a series of negotiations that will carry on into the night. Uh, there was some important intervention today. Justin News has confirmed that overnight President Trump got Kevin McCarthy and the leader of the opposition, Congressman Scott Perry of Pennsylvania, on the phone saying, fellas, do something. Break the stalemate. Negotiate. Stop this charade on TV. That set in motion some discussions all around the caucus today. Just a few minutes ago, I was able to confirm that Kevin McCarthy has created a negotiating team that's going to include four of the 20 people opposing him, some of the moderates in the conference, and their job is to iron out all the differences, get a deal that Kevin McCarthy will agree to, and get this uh, election over. It's uh, uh, now two days and six votes, uh, one of the longest episodes in American history. Wow. wow. You know, I, think, I feel like the Democrats, though, they're salivating at this whole, at this whole thing happening. They, they are. In fact, there's a funny moment just before the sixth vote began, the sixth unsuccessful vote. Uh, Kat Kamek, a congresswoman from Florida, the youngest Republican in the House right now, uh, she uh, actually said, I think the Democrats have blankets, popcorn, and lots of alcohol. This is like entertainment for them. So she even acknowledged what an opportunity this was for Democrats. If the Republicans get their act together, if they can get their leader and get to the people's business, such as addressing the border, crime, and, and budget spending, and, and get some of those investigations going. I don't think people will remember this long term, but right now it's an eyesore because Americans said, hey, we hired you, and you don't even know how to get your CEO into the building. So I think there's a lot of concern right now, but it will disappear if Republicans can get onto the business of actually doing the people's business. So even Nancy Pelosi says at this point, you know, when, until they have a speaker, they can't do everything else they need to do. They can't even swear in uh, new members right. of Congress and the family members. They're just kind of waiting around. And she was like, hey, you know, maybe we need to just swear in these people for the family's sake. I mean, when Nancy Pelosi and Marjorie Taylor Greene become the voices of reason, I think we're in a <laughs> This is a, Listen, this is an extraordinary moment. It's a moment that was 10 years in the making. I can tell you that from the end of the John Boehner tenure, going back to about 2012, uh, there has been a faction of the Republican Party that believes the Republican Party talks fiscal conservatism but does not execute it. And there's a good reason to believe that. The deficit in 2003 was six, excuse me, the national debt was $6.7 trillion. Uh, today, it's at $32 trillion. 80% of all the debt has been accrued in the last 20 years. And Republicans have been in charge of at least one or more of the branches of government for most of that time. And this was the moment that these 20 decided we are going to put all of our uh, chips down. We are not going to give up until we get concessions to stop spending. And that's what's going on now. That's what's led to these negotiations. We'll have to see if there's a successful conclusion. Marjorie Taylor Greene, she hit back at Matt Gates. She was saying, hey, you know, you want committee assignments. This is all about yourself. You know, yeah. that's pretty interesting. And she's saying that he actually supported Paul Ryan. So now you're seeing some infighting in between, in, among the Freedom Caucus. There is. And to be expected, Marjorie Taylor Greene wants to align herself with Kevin McCarthy. Remember, she's been without a job the last couple of years. All of her committee assignments were stripped because of things she said early in her first term. So she's gotten good with, um, uh, with McCarthy, and she's trying to push the McCarthy agenda. And Matt Gates is not yet good 
with Kevin McCarthy, and he is pushing for more. And it's really important to separate the spin from what these lawmakers say. When you listen to Congressman Chip Roy of uh, Texas, one of the people that will be on this negotiating committee, one of the people consistently voting against Kevin McCarthy, here's what they say. This isn't about Kevin McCarthy. It isn't even about what committee assignments I get. It's about having rules that will allow the people's representatives to have a say over what we spend. No more of these late-in-the-night bills, 4,000 pages. We don't know what's in it. Only the leadership decides what gets in it, and then we're forced to vote before we can even digest it. They're trying to get rules to prevent that dynamic, which, by the way, is how most of the budgets for the last 12 or 14 years under both Republicans and Democrats have been crafted. They're trying to break the cycle because it's the process that has led to these extraordinary deficits, which, by the way, were blown up under Donald Trump, blown up under George W. Bush, Barack Obama, and Joe Biden. We've had record continuous deficits for nearly two decades, and now we have a national debt that's six times uh, what the annual collections of tax revenues are. That's what scares a lot of people. Uh, I mean, the only time it went down when uh, Bill Clinton and Newt Gingrich, uh, they had a $5.5 trillion debt, and they actually paid it down, $500 billion. And so they when did. they you know, left office... And speaking of Trump, he's actually backing McCarthy. He is. And as I said, he uh, last night intervened himself and um, uh, got some of the parties together. Congressman Perry, uh, the leader of the resistance, Congressman McCarthy, the man who wants to be speaker. And they got on the phone and started a dialogue, which I think is leading to what we're going to see tonight, which is backdoor negotiations. No more of the theater on television. Let's get everybody in a room and try to solve these differences and get it going. Now, a good question would be for all of us who are common sense and run our own businesses and run our own families and our own budgets is, couldn't they have done this three, four months ago? Couldn't they have done this right after the election? That's a question that isn't easily answered. I think Kevin McCarthy missed an opportunity to get these issues resolved before they burst out into public, but they have now. And the good news for the American people is there's a negotiating team designed to get uh, get this past this moment. We'll see how they work. They're going to work through the night tonight is what I'm told. Enough of Washington. What else is going on in our country? Well, that's a great question. Uh, there are some really interesting moments in law enforcement. Uh, uh, again, maybe a little bit in Washington, but to an issue I think a lot of people care about. We've seen all of the evidence now of the FBI pressuring big tech companies to censor Americans' opinions, thought, not, not Russian disinformation, but Americans' opinions. Um, I had on my show yesterday the former criminal division chief of the FBI, one of the highest ranking people in the FBI, one of the most respected uh, FBI officials in the last many years. Uh, and he came on and said, you know what? My agency, which is created by law to be independent, has lost its independence. It has yielded to political appointees in the Justice Department who have a liberal bias. I'm not part political, he said, but I can tell you they're liberal. And the FBI is allowing them to run roughshod and force the FBI to do things that earlier generations of the FBI would never have considered doing, like labeling parents as domestic parents, like asking Twitter to censor Americans, like launching an investigation of Donald Trump without a predicate to prove that there really was evidence of a collusion that would warrant such an investigation. A very a cogent uh, uh, interview, and by the way, this man has been behind Chris Ray, been a defender of the FBI consistently, even was the chairman of a very important independent commission that looked at the Fort Hood killings that uh, disturbed all of us a few years ago. This is one of the mo largest and most independent voices to come out and saying, my FBI, the FBI worked in for two three decades, is broken. We've got to stop censoring people. How high up is this guy? He was an assistant director of the criminal division. He just retired recently. 
very well respected. Well, and what I've said publicly, and we only have about 30 seconds left, what I said publicly is that Christopher Ray should stand up and be yeah. a man. That's you right. know, you're the head of the FBI. Be a man and, and say enough is enough. Uh, that uh, we're an independent agency and we're going to do what's right. I couldn't agree more. That's exactly what Chris Wecker said yesterday. Dare them to, dare them to fire him. But if yeah. you're going to go out, go out as a man. That's exactly good advice. Excellent advice. Yes. Well, thank you so much, uh, John Solomon, and we'll talk to you again real soon because uh, we like what you say. Thank you. I really enjoyed being on your show. Thanks, John. Thank you. Thanks, Lydia. Bye-bye.